1 John chapter 3 today. Chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. I just want you guys to let that sink in for a second. Behold, to look at, to try to understand, to think about what manner of love the Father has bestowed, has given to us that he would call us his children. I don't know if we really, if we really break down and consider those words. Many people believe that just because the Bible says that we're made in God's image or just because we're created beings, we're all sons and daughters of God. That is not biblically true. In fact, Jesus talks about it in John chapter 8, verse 43. If you'd like to turn there, you can. If you'd like to just listen, you, you can do that as well. John chapter 8, verse 43, Jesus says, Why do you not understand my speech? Jesus is a pro at rhetorical questions. He knows why. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. That's kind of harsh, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is telling people that they are the children of Satan? Your father is the devil. So when we ask ourselves that question today, you know, which would we more closely identify with? Are you a liar? Are you more concerned about yourself than anybody else? Then your father just may very well be the devil, the influence of the devil. Now, I don't think that that's anybody because I, you know, because I like all you guys. I, don't, I, I would never uh, hope that I would never have to say, listen, you're not being influenced by the good father. You're being influenced by somebody else. But Jesus had to say it to them. And you have this concept biblically throughout the Bible, from the very beginning to the very end, you have this concept and this very clear illustration of families. What do you think of when you think about families? You think about healthy relationships, hopefully, <laughs> with each other. A father and a mother who love and take care of their kids. When you think nowadays of a family, there's not very many super good examples of good families. At least not that are given to us uh, in, from the entertainment industry. What family stands out most of all that's talked about all the time in our culture? The Kardashians is the first ones that come to mind for me. Is that the kind of family that you want to be associated with? Yeah, because I want to be rich and have lots of money and say silly things that everybody makes fun of. No. You don't want to be part of that kind of family that doesn't really function like a family. A dad doesn't know if he wants to be a dad or a mom. Is that a good family? I don't know. Figure it out, bro, quick. But the kind of family that is a healthy, good family that God wants us to be a part of is his family. 
And as that idea of family comes to us on an individual level, on a corporate level in the church, it should also be uh, reestablished in our heart over and over and be reflected through our families. Grace and I were just talking about a family recently, about how blessed we are by that family. We're like, man, that is a family, you know? Like, you don't get that kind of example of what a family looks like. It's just based on love and and dedication and commitment. Dedication and commitment. It's, It's a family, the way that God intended it to be. So when God says, or when John says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that he would call us his children, how seriously should we take that? Oh, God, I am your child. And this is the words of the Bible. This isn't our words or my words or a a song that somebody wrote. God is good and he wants us to be part of of his family. And and this is how it's it's, uh, conveyed through John. He says, what manner of love that God would do that. Do you know what it took for God to be able to do that? There's a whole process involved. In God wanting you and allowing you to be part of his family. And it's not just Jesus going to the cross. There was much more involved than that. In fact, let's turn and look at Ephesians chapter 1 and go through what part of the process looked like for God to to have us become part of his family. And this is another apostle Another disciple of Jesus' perspective. This is the Apostle Paul sharing the rich inheritance we have as the children of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What kind of father do you got? <laughs> A confused one, doesn't know who he is or what he wants to stand for. Or a father that says that, you know, you're my kids and and I have uh, every spiritual blessing in store for you. Do you know what's required to receive a gift? What's required? You have to be willing to take it. I used to do this thing in in Croatia when we would talk to people. I, I had an iPhone when they, you know, when they first came out, I brought it over from the States they didn't come over for much longer, and they were much more expensive there, primarily because the tax, like I've shared with you guys before, there's like a 25% sales tax. So if, you know, right there, if you're spending, you know, $1,000 on a, on a cell phone, you're looking at 1250 just for the taxes included, right? Is that math? Good math? And I would take my phone out, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, an iPhone. And I'd be like, hey, I want you to have this. Try to, try to convey what grace looks like. Hey, I want you to have this. They're like, what? and they get scared. Like, what is this? What is he doing? No, take it. You know, you want that? You want it? I, w- I want to give it to you. And they'd say, Yeah, I want it. Well, what do you? What do you got to do? And they just stand there. What do you got to do? You got to. You got to reach out and you got to take it. God's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And sometimes we find ourselves in life complaining and whining and crying about things instead of just receiving the blessings and the intentions that He intended for us to have. He wants us to have. 
He says that we are seated in the heavenly in the heavenly places and that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in in Jesus Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. That's a mouthful. But he is, he's, he's very clearly conveying something. And this is the thing that I want to park on and look at a couple other verses as well. Just as he chose you in him before the foundation of the, of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Do you know God chose you before the foundation of the, of the earth? Before the earth was formed, it was formless and void. And before it was formed, God chose you. He chose to love you. He chose for you to be holy. Do you know what holy means? Different. Do you want to be different than the way the world is? I do. He chose you to be holy in love. He chose you to be different. And this is the thing that's hard for us as humans to understand. And, and it's difficult for me to try to, to explain. And people have come up with all kinds of crazy, ridiculous theologies to try to explain it. But it, it's not very complicated. We as human beings are out. We are inside of this time-space continuum. God is not. So when God says, I chose you before the foundations of the earth, you have to stop thinking in, with the reference of time. Because there is no time with God. I tried to explain it using this illustration. It's not the best, but it works. Say you go to a parade, right? You're standing on the side of the street and you're watching these. You know, everybody comes by. You're seeing like the Shriners and you're seeing the Baton Girls, the Cow People. Everybody's coming by and you don't get to see them until what? Until they pass in front of you. And you can only see so far back, oh, when is the candy throwers going to be here? You know, I hope it's soon because I'm going I'm to get all that candy. And as they're coming, you're preparing to see them. You're preparing to receive the band, the cheerleaders, the football team. But it's happening in a linear fashion, right? It's coming. Where's God in that? Well, if you go into a helicopter or on top of a skyscraper and you look down at the parade, what do you see? You see everything. You see the beginning. You see the end. You see the middle. You see the baton throwers, the candy. You see everything. And it's from that perspective that God looks at us in time, restricted in time. But he is not restricted it says that he chose us before the foundation of the earth. And I love this word because it speaks so much to us. And people have taken and twisted it, I believe. But in verse 5, it says, He having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus. Do you guys know what the word predestined means? What does it mean? It means to predetermine. What does to predetermine mean? It means that I will determine beforehand something that I'm going to do later, correct? So God says, I predetermined beforehand that I was going to do what? What did he say in that verse? Adopt them as sons. Adoption. 
Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we would be called children of God. What happens? We become adopted into the family of God. And the Bible says that God predetermined beforehand to do it. He determined beforehand that we would be part of his family. Having predetermined, predestined to adopt us as sons by Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It was God's good pleasure to, decide, to desire beforehand to adopt us into his family. What manner of love? To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So the Bible says that not only did God predetermine to adopt you as his children, but he predetermined also to give you an inheritance. Isn't that kind of what we think of when we consider families like the Kardashians? It's not just that they're well-known, it's their inheritance, it's, it's what they have, it's, it's that they're rich and that they can do whatever they want, etc., etc. Now, it's not the best example or representation of what a healthy family looks like. Therefore, we go to the Word and we see God's intention was also to adopt us and to receive an inheritance as well. When you guys think about family, think about your relationships with your family. Think about the kind of family that you want. Think about this. Think about those kids that don't have a family. That's the thing that really breaks my heart. We go to Africa and you see these kids running around. Go visit Argo and Rachel, who uh, we're going to have Sean, one of the directors of the orphanage here next month, sharing a little bit more about that ministry. The ministry there with the orphanage and reaching out in those communities is exploding right now. They're, they're, they're getting more and more and more kids. Everybody's bringing them these kids, and they're running out of room. They, they have the one location, then they opened a second location, and they're talking about how they're going to have to get another location. The state program for the orphans is, is shutting down. They, it, the infrastructure is poor. They don't have the, the financing for it. They can't do it anymore. And the government is happy to hand these orphans over to Ebenezer Grace Children's Home because somebody will take care of them. But nobody else wants to take care of them. Nobody else is willing, except these people who love Jesus. And you know what kind of inheritance these kids get by becoming part of the Ebenezer Grace Children's Home? Something that, that is incredible. We saw the love that they received, how they were trained in the Word, they're not only taking care of physically and on the earth for a season, but they're getting taken care of eternally by getting to know who their heavenly father is. And maybe they feel like nobody cared about them, 
Or maybe they feel like there's interventions happening where mothers are going to murder their babies right as they're born or somebody else is going to murder the baby. And it's not even an issue of abortion. They're not even talking about abortion. They're saying they're going to go through the whole nine months. They're going to have the baby and they kill the babies right afterwards because they don't want them or they're cursed or whatever. Adoption is precious. It's valuable. Then we look at our relationship with God and we were in the same kind of situation. Who really loved us? Who really said that they were going to be there and take care of us? We end up being alone, making bad decisions, going through life, making mistakes, looking and wondering for what the truth is and who God is. And it's not until we receive an invitation to be part of God's family that we really experience what the meaning of life is. Oh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that he would call us children of God, his children. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of his will who works all things according to the counsel of his will that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We are the glory of God through Jesus Christ. We are the glory of God as his adopted sons and daughters. So when we as believers struggle or or allow sin to come into our lives, which is what he's going to talk about in the next section, we no longer become the glory of God being exhibited through our lives. And it's our choice, really. Are we going to be submitted to God and walk in the Spirit? Or are we going to want to identify more with this world or the way the families of this world look like? Let's flip back over to 1 John. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure." What does the inheritance look like? That's the question, right? Not only is it now the church of God being able to know God, have a right relationship with him, having right relationships with each other, having being part of a family that looks like what the, a real family of God should look like. But he says there's also a part that we don't know. We don't really understand, but we know this. It has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, that we shall be like him, like the Father, like our Heavenly Father. We're going to be like him. Does that mean that that we're going to be gods? No. It means we're going to be like him, especially through those attributes that he so clearly demonstrated to us in love, in compassion, in mercy, in grace. But the culmination physically when we get to be with God, we're going to be like him and we will see him as he is. Let's flip really quickly over to Romans chapter 8.
This is why we can have confidence in difficulty sometimes in life when we go through difficulty. And a lot of times people don't take this verse in its context, but we're going to read it in its context today. Chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? It means, yeah, bad things happen sometimes, but if you love God and you're called according to his purpose, he has it meant intentionally for you to go through for your good. And it will be for your good. We can trust and and lean and depend on that word. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. There's a, there's a procession here. There's a progress. Verse 29, for who, whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What does that mean to, to foreknow? What does it mean? It means to know beforehand, right? I mean, it's not rocket science. He knew beforehand because God's out of time. He sees the beginning from the end. You know, it's very clear to him. It says, whom he knew from beforehand, he sees, oh, this is, you know, there's, there's the baton twirlers. There's Tim. What a goofball. He can never catch that thing on time. He says, who he foreknew, he saw me in the lineage of time. He also pre, what? Determined, predestined predetermined, he determined beforehand, before I would get right to where it would be in our time, you know, right now, he predetermined beforehand that I would be conformed to the image of his son. God foreknew me, he knew me before, he predetermined for me to be conformed into the image of his son. And that's the thing that I pray every day. God, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. And if that means telling some people that their father is Satan, then I'll do it. (laughs) Just kidding. You know. The love and compassion part. You know, the the holiness, the goodness, the the desire to, to not live for myself. That's what Jesus exemplified. Jesus was he who, who was more concerned about obedience than sacrifice. He was willing to make the sacrifice, but he, was, he wanted to be obedient to the Father. And God foreknew and he predetermined that you would be conformed into the image of the Son, which means what for you and I? That we would be obedient to the Father. That we would want to know him, that we would want to have that connection that Jesus said that he had and that he was able to give to us through his death on the cross and resurrection. He predetermined that we would be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All this family language. Jesus was the firstborn into the family of God among many brethren who would be part of that family, who God knew beforehand that's what he wanted to do, that he predetermined that he would adopt us, that he did adopt us, he gave us an inheritance, and he determined that we would be conformed to the image of his son. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, he, those he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. If God predetermines something, then what's the action? 
What's the action of predetermination? The action is actually doing it. That's where the calling comes in for us. If God foreknew us and he predetermined to, to uh, adopt us as sons, there has to be some point where he calls us and says, Hey, you, I, I predetermined to, to conform you into the image of my son so that you can know what it looks like to have a right relationship with me and to be part of the family of God. Usually whenever I talk about predestination or predetermination, I always talk about food because I predetermine a lot what I want to eat. Amen. I'm thinking, oh man, what sounds good today? I don't know. Everything's so good. Food is so yummy. And Lord's like, be careful, Tim. Your God is your belly. (laughs) Am I listening to the Lord or am I listening to my belly? (laughs) I predetermined that this is what I'm going to do. Therefore, I have to uh, actually execute it. I have to call out into the speaker in the drive-thru. I like a McDouble, please, with a small fry. I'm trying to keep the calorie count low. And what do they say? We hear you loud and clear. Coming up. God says, I want you to be part of my family. You're going to be my sons and daughters. I foreknew you. I predetermined to adopt you as sons and daughters. And I'm going to call you. Each and every single one of you this morning have a calling from God that you are able to either respond to or to reject. And this is, this is the hard part, okay? If we respond to God's call, then we're able to become his sons and daughters and part of his family. If we reject it, we remain as sons and daughters of Satan. Because Satan is for real. Satan does not want you to have a right relationship with God. If God predetermined you to be part of his family, Satan's going to do all that he can to make you think that you have no place in that family that you've sinned too much, that you've made too many mistakes. Okay, and if it's not personal, if it's not the enemy coming against you and saying you're worthless, which is more of the the route that it went for me, you don't have the ability to conceive of the greatness of God, Tim, and he would never call you because you're a slime ball. If it's not that, then it's the opposite. Oh, it's the, the church. Those guys always wanting our money. Hypocrites. The enemy will do whatever he can to rip us off from receiving our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Anything. So when you decide, hey, am I going to go to church today? You're not asking yourself, should you wake up and get ready to go to church? You're asking yourself, am I going to partake with the family of God today? Because it's not just about you. It's about the people who are here today that need you too. You're a hand, you're a foot, you're part of the body. And when you decide to distance yourself from those who are part of the family of God, then you're not really able to partake like the family partakes. It was difficult for us when we were overseas for so long, almost a decade, missing all of those, uh, all of those holidays together. It was hard. We had to do our own thing and figure out what we were going to do and and you know, the first year that I came back, I had a job, and I was working, and, and, and it was Thanksgiving. And I said, hey, I'm sorry, but I can't work today. 
I'm, I'm going to go home and spend time with my family. And my boss said, no, you're not. You're not going anywhere. Everybody's working today. You're not leaving. And I said, you listen to me. I've been gone for 10 years. I haven't, had to, I haven't got to have Thanksgiving with my mom in 10 years. I'm leaving, and I'm not going to be available for work. He said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 10 years is a long time. And I left. He came to me later and said, hey, man, I didn't realize. You know, I wasn't thinking about it. We get into this, this mode, you know, this, this mentality of, of society now. Like, go, we got to work, we got to do. Everybody is required to do the same things. Sometimes it, it starts to dismantle the family. We have to be together. And the family of God is no different the longer you don't spend with the family of God, the more distant you become. And the more that you're not able to partake of what God has, the every blessing in the heavenly places. Do you know how blessed you guys are going to be after service today? There's a lot of good food back there. I told you, it's always. But you know what's even better? You know what's even better? That you're going to have some good conversations. You're going to meet somebody that you never met before. You're going to get to talk to somebody and hear how God is starting to change their life and conform them into the image or maybe just start to call them to God's family. When you, when you talk to somebody new, ask them, hey, how are you doing? And they say, good. And you say, no, how are you really doing? How's it going at work? What are you thinking about? What are you struggling with? You'd be surprised how people will say, you don't really want to know. <laughs> I just put on my face. I'm good. But a lot of times we're not good. And what we need is we need brothers and sisters. We need family to come around us, to lay hands on us and say, I'm, here, I'm there for you. I struggle too. This is what my struggle is. Maybe it's different. But then the inheritance and the blessings are spread out to each other because we are one great, big, happy family. So he predetermined, he called us, the action, and then he also justified. We weren't able to have a right relationship with God. So after God did call us, he provided a way for us to have right relationship, which we know was through Jesus Christ. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Now when we talk about the glory of God and us being glorified, this, this concept kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Do you know, and, and we've asked this question before and talked about it, but do you know that you are the glory of God? You are the glory of God. Not you as a person, as in, this is who I am, Timothy Warholic, and, and I am individually the glory of God. No, if you submit yourself to the Father and you are walking in your calling, the glory of God will shine through your life in a way that you never experienced before. And you have that choice. Positionally, it happens anyway, but we have the choice to either walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh so the glory of God can fully shine through our lives. Let's flip back to 1 John. We shall be like Him, for we, have, we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. This purification process as well when you understand that you're part of the family of God, when you consider it, when you have that hope. Do you know what another way that you can translate the word hope? 
What's another word? Expectation. A hope is an expectation. When you're expecting to receive blessings from the, the Lord because you're part of his family, what does, it say? what does the word say happens? It purifies you. It cleanses you. You remember that your association isn't with the world or the corruption of the world or the way that the world does things. It's with God. And by having that hope in him, it purifies himself. It purifies us just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Do you know who the lawless one is? Scripture tells us. Who's the lawless one? The devil. It's one of his titles. The son of perdition, the lawless one. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away your sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Now, this is a very good instructional verse. This isn't saying that there's sinless perfection, that you have to be perfect and you're never going to sin again. No, this is saying that your old nature, the sinful nature, is no longer alive in your life. And what you did in the sinful nature is what? Whatever you wanted to do. That's what I did. In the sinful nature, when I was alive in my flesh, I did whatever I wanted to do. Whenever I wanted to do it, guess what? I don't do that anymore. God has changed my perspective. And the, the instructional part of the, the, the verse is, are you a part of God's family or are you not? Usually ultimatums are given like this, not to bring guilt or shame, but to give opportunity to submit to God and to die to self. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. If you're living in sin, namely if you're doing whatever you want to do in life, you're living in the flesh, you're not having a right relationship with God that he wanted to have with you. You're not. You're dying you feel the effects of sin in your life. You feel the death that is evident from your sin. But when you're a, a born-again believer, when you are given life in the name of Jesus Christ and being born again, that desire to sin is no longer there. You see the process of sanctification happening in somebody. Maybe they don't stop cursing like a maniac the first day Maybe they don't stop doing drugs the first day or they need to start getting going in that direction or pornography or whatever the case may be. Those things that you want to do to fulfill the lusts of your own flesh, those desires start to become, uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a desire for them to be cut off. I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't want to live for myself. I don't want to live in sin Verse 7, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. 
For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Yeah, I still make mistakes, but deep inside I have the seed of God inside of me that testifies what I should be doing and what I should not be doing. And I have to say now, if there's anybody here who thinks that living life for yourself is better than being crucified and and born again and living for God, if there's anybody here, you have to take me at my word, I promise, okay? Listen, your life will always be miserable. It will always be miserable. It will never be what God intended it to be, the the anointing that he has given you and the calling until you submit and are crucified with Jesus and are able to be raised up in newness of life. We were dead spiritually when we come to know God through Jesus Christ. We become alive spiritually and we see things through different eyes. I would never, ever, ever want to go back to the way that I used to think and live. Never. It was terrible. It just brought destruction. I want my life to exemplify who God is. I want my life and I want your life too as you pray and seek the Lord to be a true demonstration of the glory of God. Don't you want to be God's glory? His candle holder? God's glory? then don't buy into the enemy's lies. Don't buy into them that you'll be more happy doing things your own way, that that particular thing that you know is wrong is okay for you. It's not okay. There should be no desire to continue to do that. And by submitting yourself to God, you receive all of the benefits of being part of his family. Let's pray. God, we thank you for making the way. We thank you for providing for us. For being God, for who you are, for knowing beforehand who we were going to be. Loving us in spite of that. Determining beforehand that you are going to save us. And adopt us. And give us an inheritance. And bless us. And that when we did come to that place of submitting ourselves to you and becoming part of your family, you take away that desire to continue to live in sin. We don't want to live in sin, God. We've made many mistakes. We want to exemplify you. We want you to be shown as the one true God in our lives. And we want others to see the demonstration of abundant life because we are part of your family. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.